Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex, and I am the pastor here at uh, Ridgeview, and we are so glad that you guys are all here to uh, worship uh, with us. Last week was our grand opening, and so this is the first time that we've ever had back-to-back weekly services. So on Monday, I woke up and said, wow, Sunday is coming, and it's here. And so we're glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us. Uh, Last week, we started a new message series called Family, More or Less Ideal, and you can see the the image there, and we talked about that ideal uh, last week, and if you ever miss a message here at Ridgeview, you can always go online, and you can listen, and you can download, uh, so you can kind of keep track with any messages that that you may have missed. And so what we did last week is we started on what's God's, God's ideal for family, and then how does that make a difference in the way that we choose to, to live our life. And we focused on, on family because all of us are shaped by our family in a powerful way. And we're here because we come from a family and a lot of good can come from our family and then some bad can come. And so sometimes we're left with trying to figure out how to build on the pieces of our past, uh, what we do in the present, and then how does that impact our future. And so here, here at Ridgeview, one of the goals that we want is we want to help of families, and we, we want to help kind of wherever you are, whether you're, you're you know, parents of kids right now or grandparents or students and you're trying to figure out your, your future, uh, it all starts with what's the framework for, for life and, and what's the blueprint. And that's what we talked about last week. The idea of God's ideal is always back to the blueprint, back to his word. And just like that song that we just sang, there's, there's a sense in which you go to the word to get your instruction in it. And it gives you, it actually gives you life. It gives you the way forward. And so today we're actually looking at kind of an extension of that. How do we experience the best kind of relationships? And, and how do we, we build those? Because if you're like me, you've realized that relationships are, are work. And you can't just hope for the best. You actually have to figure out how to, to, to relate to people in a certain way and do things and then not do other things. And, and actually... Relationships are, are hard. And so one of the goals that we want to do is we want to look at what, what's, what's the core of, of what makes relationships difficult. And then what, what do we do? How do we move past uh, some of those uh, difficulties? So I want to, I want to start with a, with a word that we're going to kind of you know, build on this morning, and it's the word uh, filibuster. Now, you may have heard that if you had like student government back in, in high school or, or college, but here's what a filibuster is. It's an action such as a prolonged speech that obstructs progress in a legislative assembly while not technically contravening the required procedures. Now, if that's not a definition of a word, it's got a lot of words in that definition. But the idea of a filibuster uh, in the political sense is somebody speaks for a very, very long time with the goal to obstruct progress. Uh, politically, they have a goal to kind of stand in the way of a certain agenda or a certain ideal or a certain decision that, that needs to be made. And it comes actually from a, like an ancient word that, that began with pirates. And pirates would board ships and they would stockade and they would overtake the supplies. And it was called freebooter. I think filibuster is a little better definition. But it's referring to the lost kind of uh, stolen property that, that pirates took. And so they, they went onto a ship, they conquered it, and then they stole it off. And then... Uh, in recent word, in recent uh, history, that that word has shifted to this idea of a filibuster, and so in the political sense, it's somebody who goes and conquers the agenda and steers it in a new direction. And 
what you find in life is that even if you're not in politics, which I'm sure most of us are not, uh, we can tend to experience some of these synonyms. And so if you go to the, the next uh, slide there, synonyms, stonewalling, delaying tactics, procrastination, or obstruction. So if you're honest with yourself, have you ever been in a situation where you really want to stonewall somebody? Or you have something that you want, so in your head you think, how can I get it? And you obstruct or you procrastinate to, to get what you want. I don't know about you, but, but I, I do this. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is this idea of family filibusters, strategies that we take, decisions that we make, attitudes that we choose that block progress in our relationships. And what's interesting about this is all of us want the best relationships, but you can't have the best relationships without recognizing some of the strategies we all have that kind of deteriorate those relationships from ever happening. And so I want to just talk about some family filibusters. Now, full disclosure, you do not have to like stand up and say, that's me. But in your head, quietly, without making a noise, see if any of these you've, you've ever done in your, in your life. The first is caustic attitude and words. And caustic is just a bad attitudes and bad words. Have you ever, in the relationships close to you, whether it's relating to your parents, relating to your siblings, relating to your kids, relating to your coworkers, relating to your close friends, have you ever had a bad attitude that's translated into words that, that were not uplifting? So, in, you know, you could just raise your eyebrows. You could just, that's me. Nobody would ever know. But I think all of us can relate to that. Another family filibuster that blocks our progress of others is the big sulk. Now, as we grow older, we... Hopefully, through parents' training and life, we realize that sulking doesn't get what we want. But inside, we tend to sulk. You know, you know sulking, like, where do you, do you want to go? Do you want to go to McDonald's? I hate McDonald's. And, you know, with a, a kid, with, you, you see, oh, that, they did not like that decision. But as adults, we, we, we're a little bit more sophisticated. But inside, we're like, I don't like that. And we sulk. And it comes across like this. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's absolutely wrong. You ever done that in your life where there's a lot wrong, but you don't want to say it, and that's a part of your strategy? You better figure it out by just my stern look at you. That happens. It's the big salt. The next one, uh, sarcasm. I grew up in a family where sarcasm was the norm. And early on in life, you had to kind of get the cadence of sarcasm. So when they say really something means something, it may mean something else. Like, yeah, that's the best idea. Like, so is that, like, is, is that the best or is that the opposite of the best? And with sarcasm, you're, you're never quite sure what real is or what true is. And sarcasm is a strategy to make a point. And it can be funny. But sarcasm can also obstruct progress because people don't know where you stand. They don't really know if, if you're telling the truth. Are you exaggerating? Do you really like that? Do you not like it? That's a family filibuster. And then the last is tantrum. When was the last time you saw a tantrum in an adult? Hopefully, it's not a regular occurrence. But you can see people flip out. Just see what happens if you're waiting in line to something and somebody cuts in front. I guess we're not here. You know, you see, and you see that, and then it happens to yourself. Like there's something in you, like they, they've just they, they've done that wrong. You see everyone around as adults trying to figure out how do I take an emotional response that I have and make it somewhat civilized, but everyone's just really upset. A few months ago, 
I was on a street and a car was like blocking traffic and the car wasn't moving. They were trying to figure out how to get into a, a parallel spot and, and they couldn't do it. And the person behind him is just honking and the person stressed out more. And then the person honking gets out their video and it's just like, you're blocking traffic. It's like, so not only is there a tantrum, but then it's not going to be on the whole internet for everybody to see. And this is part of the strategies as adults. Somebody does something, it blocks our progress. And in family life, we, we have these strategies. And the, these strategies, again, we, we don't talk about a lot. And even as you relate, there are people that you may have related to your whole life that these are part of the strategies, and you do them, and they do them to you, and you never get to the point where you're actually honest with what's really going on. The problem with that is that you, you, you can't build the best kind of relationships without dealing with these problems. Because these problems, as long as they're in us, will keep coming up, and they'll keep coming up, and they'll keep coming up. And with God's grace, we can get further down the road, but if we don't deal with the root problem, they're going to keep on plaguing our relationships. So I want to spend some time talking. If any of you identified with that, which I know for myself, I I have some of my own strategies. I can sulk. I can smile on the outside, but I'm sulking on the inside. And I can do that. And so if you've identified some of that for yourself, I want you to now we're going to shift gears and look at what's what's the root of that. What's the root of those those damaging strategies? And if you go to the scripture uh, in the the verse uh, Proverbs 22, 15, it says folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And so it's actually getting kind of to the root, the root of all children. And really this idea of bound up in the heart of a child is saying bound up in the heart of every human being. You're born because of sin, because sin entered the world. You're born with what is called folly. And that word folly in the Hebrew is a word called evileth, which literally means stubborn selfishness. And so the root of bad relationships and the root of all of our hearts is a stubborn selfishness. It's not only do we want what we want, but we want what we want way more than helping somebody else. I have my agenda, I have how I want to go about it, how we're going to get there, and you need to comply with what I want. And if we were to take you over to Kids Zone right now and there's one toy and six kids, you can see this play out. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And there's a stubborn selfishness that we we all have. It actually reminds me of of this clip. Let's watch this together and see it illustrated. Yeah. Uh oh. Let's get to time up in. is titled Proverbs 22:15. It's actually not. It's toddler carjacking. That's what it's called. And that, that's what you've just, just witnessed. But there, there's something in there where it, it's helpful to kind of go to that age because you just see it just on the, the just, it's so, you know, literally evident in, in the way that they're treating each other. He's just grabbing him by his shirt. And he's just going to keep pulling him out. He's going to keep pulling him out until he's no longer in the driver's seat. 
And he's just trying to hold on to that door to close it, but it's, it's not working. That's that stubborn selfishness. I want what I want. And if you get in my way, I will hurt you. This happens again and again in life. And as adults, we have the same issues. And what happens is it comes out in our attitudes. It comes out in our words. It comes out in how we communicate, how we don't. All the things that we do to get what we want. And so the question we're asking in this series is this. What can I do to help my family be all it can be? And to answer this question, you have to look at, well, what are you doing now? And what am I doing now? And what are we all doing now that prevents that from happening? So as you've identified some of maybe those filibusters and those strategies that you can maybe do to block progress, I want to kind of go a step further, dig a little bit deeper in what the Bible says about the damage when stubborn selfishness takes over. If we live as people who, who just don't get past the stubborn selfishness, what can happen? And so I want to start with the first thing is the damage is it brings the house down. Uh, Proverbs 14.1. The book of Proverbs is wise sayings, observations about life. This is what it says. The wisest of, women's, of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. And this goes back to a, like a bad attitude, bad words. You could take all of the time to build something, like family life, like an atmosphere, you ever wanted to, like a great event to happen? Maybe it's a birthday party for your kids. And you want to do everything just right. And you're putting everything together and you're cleaning. And, and in the middle of all that, you're so frustrated at your kids. It's like, happy birthday. You better enjoy this. You may not have ever said that, but you've maybe thought it. Maybe you've said it. But there's a sense in which like you're trying to create this moment. You're building something. But the stubborn selfishness, a blocked goal, it comes out and you, you lash out. A bad attitude that leads to bad words. Uh, another thing is words are not heard. This is another part of the damage. Proverbs sixteen twenty two: Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it. But the instructions of fools is folly. So there, there you see, what, what's, what's the fountain of life? Good sense. And so the, the opposite of that good sense is, again, that, that stubborn selfishness so if you're somebody who who tries to help people and tries to live with good sense and you, you to do that you need to know god's ways you need to live according to that and make decisions according to that then then your words are, are a fountain and the fountain it, it gives satisfaction to those that hear it people who are thirsty can drink of your words so to say and and find help but if stubborn selfishness is your strategy instead of that fountain drink being given to somebody who can drink it it's like you turn the hose on full blast and you just blast it into somebody's ear you getting that are you quenched no you your ears are full of water and what this scripture is saying is is like if you communicate with just your own way and getting what you want and your own strategies it's like just having your ears full to the hearer that they just have stuff in there and they, they can't hear a word that you're saying I don't know if you've ever related to somebody and you maybe are on them and you're pressing them. It could be a coworker. Maybe you're, you're stressed and you just keep on like that nagging. Are you, have you done that? Make sure you do that. Do that. You get to the point you look at them and, and I don't think they hear a word that I say. You ever experienced that? I experienced that with my kids. I just look at them and, and they're just, when they already say yes before I've even finished. Can you, yes. How do you know what I was going to say? I did it. 
did what? Whatever you were going to say. And what happens over time is that, you know, we, we can just close our ears to people that do this. Because we know they're just trying to get what they want. And then the, the, the third thing is that it rips individuals apart. Proverbs 17, 12. This is a very interesting picture. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. So a mama bear will be better for you than somebody who's just set on getting their own way. And I want to highlight this because, again, for the best relationships for us to experience, there's a tendency in all of us, we look at what somebody else needs to do. If they just, and we fill in the blank, listen to me. If they just helped me. If they just were there for me. And what the scripture wants us to do instead is instead of looking at what others need to do, we actually need to look at ourselves and deal with the damage that our own strategies have. Deal with our own selfishness. And this Thursday, this past Thursday, I, I experienced this myself. It was one of those days where, you know, for kids, Valentine's Day, even for kids is like a huge deal. You guys realize that? I mean, you know when you go in a store, because it's all marketing, but for my wife and I, like, we love each other, but we don't make the biggest deal about it. But the night before Valentine's Day, my kids can't sleep. I'm like, guys, it's about, like, this isn't Christmas. But it was like a big deal. They're thinking about the different candy that they've gotten from the grandparents and that they're going to open. And, and so the morning of, I'm trying to do work, and I'm trying to, I'm in the house, and, and all this excitement is going around me. And, and there's just something in me where I'm like, this is awful. I don't like this day. I don't like Valentine's Day. I kind of wish they weren't here right now. They're bothering me. You get to the point where like people are around you and they're full in their excitement and over the course of time you're just like, I'm really, I really don't want to be near them. I say this full of these are my kids who I, whom I love. But the frustration set in and what was happening is, is like I had my own goals. And most of my goals each day is when I wake up, Everything will go how I want it. Can you relate to that? Isn't that the best day? If it goes how I want it, it's a great day. And then other people are involved. Wait, wait, you're messing, you're messing with the best day possible. And so I just, in the middle of this, I realized, like, man, my, my own stubborn selfishness was squelching this environment that they were creating, this excitement, this fun. And I failed to see where they were coming from, and all I thought was, like, can this day be over? I'm so over it. And God just said, man, you're, you're being selfish. You're stubbornly wanting your own way. And so, you know, inside, okay, yeah, I, I know, yeah you know, it's just that wrestling match. Yeah, I'll try to be happy. Like, and this is what happens. Oftentimes we get down this path and then God, in his kindness, wants to help us, and we need, to, we need to listen to him. And so I want to talk about kind of, once you experience that, how do you work through some of these filibusters that, that you may have, and how do you really work through that stubborn selfishness? And I want to shift gears. God shows us how to work through these family filibusters. And I want to go to the Old Testament, to uh, the book of Hosea. And the prophet Hosea, he was a, a man that God used to preach uh, to the nation of Israel uh, in the 700 B.C.s. And he's talking about how God wanted to, to lead his people. And his people were experiencing slavery. And, and this is what he says in Hosea 11.4. I led them with cords of kindness 
with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. I bent down to them and fed them. And so what, what, what God is describing is that we, we face things in life that are overwhelming to us, and oftentimes what's overwhelming to us is even our, our own issues and our own problems. And we get to the point where like, we can't get outside ourselves. We face a problem. We don't know what to do. And we may turn to other people, but they can't truly help us. And what God's saying is, is I can help you move past yourself. I can help you with your stubbornness. I can help you with your selfishness. But I will not do it through my just power alone. I'm, I'm going to do it through my power that's expressed in, in kindness, in kindness to you. And, and here, here's the picture. This is a, uh, this is a, a wagon. And, you know, when you become a parent and you have kids in sports, you need about 17 of these just for one event. And it's just, you know, you've got to load everything in. Well, a wagon um, is, is actually not meant to be pushed. You know, a wagon is, is actually something that you're supposed to pull, and, and you can pull it where, where you want to go, and you can maneuver. And so if you try to push a wagon, you, you don't really know where it's going to go because it could go this way and could, whoa, don't do a wheelie with the kid in there, and it could go that way, and it's hard, it's hard to maneuver. But if, if you're pulling the wagon, you're leading it forward, and it's following you. When you're pushing the wagon, it's leading you, and you're not exactly sure where these wheels are going to turn. And what God is saying is he's saying there's, there's these times in life where all we try to do to people is push them, and we want them to do what we want them to do. And it could be even good for them. But we push. And what God is saying is, look, look to me. Look, look how I've led you and look how I want to lead you. I will pull you along. And I'm going to pull you along with, with my kindness. And I'm not going to control by pushing. I'm, I'm going to lead you forward. And the example for us that, that, that God is setting is we have to turn to him. And in his kindness, he, he will lead us past ourselves. He will lead us out of our strategies, maybe that we've had our whole life. He will lead us out of the problems that we can't seem uh, to solve. And these cords of kindness are things that, that pull us along. And so that's the call out to God in the scriptures. That we will turn to him, recognize our strategies, and know that he will be the person that will lead us out of them. Uh, this is echoed in the New Testament in Romans chapter 2. It says this, Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself. So you ever get to a point where you see people doing things, you're like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they treated people like that. And then like two days later, you oftentimes, and me, we, we do the same things. We can always see the problem in others most of the time before we see it in ourselves. So Paul is saying like, you who practice such things, you, you do them yourself, but you, you think you will escape the judgment of God? Like, God sees what you do, is what he's saying. And then look what happens next in verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches, riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you uh, to repentance? I want to define this word kindness. Here's what it means. To provide something beneficial for someone as an act of kindness. So it's something that if you want to be kind to somebody... It's not just a word or an idea. 
It's something that translates into a specific action. Kindness is action. And that's the picture. Is God saying, like, I lead you, and the, the way I lead you is, is through this, this action of me stepping forward and, and showing you the way. I cannot lead you if I'm pushing you from behind. I'm controlling you. God's saying, I'm, I'm not here to control you. And since I'm not controlling you, an almighty God who could control anybody he wants, then you can't control people. You can't push them to get what you want. You can't be set on your own ways and try to fit everyone into your own desires. It's goodness that expresses itself in kindness. And so if, if you're a parent here today, the call is, is, is this. If, if you want to make a difference in your child's life, it's going to be so much more of, of what you do in kindness than more of what you say with your words. I know for me, I can be so set on instruction and not on what can I do to actually show the love and the kindness that I have and really show the love and the kindness from God. And that's why you look in the scriptures of this blueprint because we can't manufacture this kindness and this love in ourselves. Our supply runs out. We, we get frustrated. We get angry. We can sulk. We can throw tantrums. We can have a bad attitude. And we're done. We're spent. What God is saying is, you turn back to me, and in my kindness, I will extend it to you. And it's this relay. God in his kindness and in his love wants to fill us so we can extend that to those in our family, extend that to those in our friendship circles, extend that to those in our, our coworkers. And that's his promise. He's going to lead us with these, cor- these cords of kindness. And in our repentance, we do that because of his kindness. And so God is, is calling out to us. And so uh, it starts like this in the development of, of people. And I want to just give you a framework because we'll, we'll build on this in, you know, further down the series. Here is uh, kind of the pillars of life, like how to develop somebody so that they can be the full person. Every person is born. And then once they get born and they enter life, then you start to figure out, well, how, how are they going to survive? And you, you focus on physical development. And so you have checkups. You go to the doctor. You make sure that everything is physically progressing. And then as they get older, you focus on their mental development, their learning, and make sure, you know, as they're kind of on track and you're always measuring, okay, they where they should be. And then as time goes on, you want to help them grow socially. Like how do you relate to people and how do you know how to do that in a way that's going to be beneficial? And, and this is what happens in the development of a person. And as parents, you have a role to do that. And then there's, as a church, we have a role to help parents in doing this. And it goes on, mental, physical, social. And then there's another one, emotional, like, okay, once you, you get these things in place and you know how to walk and you, you know how to, to think, then, then how do you deal with the different emotions that come with being hurt? And then how do you deal with the emotions of hurting somebody else? And, and how do you have an emotional well-being and where does that come from? And most of the time in our culture right now and in our schools and even on some of the fabric of the country, we're where we're headed is, is that this is it. This is a full person. As long as you focus on your physical, your emotional, your social, and your mental, then you've got a life. But they're missing the, the biggest component that bears the most weight in a person, and, and it's the spiritual. And this spiritual is the overlooked pillar in our culture. It's spiritual development. And here at Ridgeview, 
the reason we wanted to start this church right here in North Montana is because we know, if you go back to the pillars, we know that the person that lacks a spiritual pillar, we, we know that they actually don't have all they need to bear the weight of life. They can be living and they're born, but they can't bear the full weight of life. And we believe that it's once people learn of how to turn to God and experience in the grace and kindness that he gives, and you grow that spiritual component of your life, that's when you're the whole person. And that's what we want to help people do. And that's what we want to train people to do so they can realize, like, I can be complete as I turn to God and get my, my identity from him. Check this out in Proverbs eighteen fourteen. It says, a healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when the spirit is crushed? I believe we live in a time, because of our past and because of us not fully understanding God's purpose for us, we live in a time where more and more people, spirit is crushed. They don't have an identity. They don't have a purpose. They don't know where they're headed. They don't know how to move forward. They don't know how to change. They don't know how to make progress. And they're crying out. They're crying out for, for something to show them, and they turn to different things. And it's money, it's success, it's power, it's sex. What is going to make me feel complete? We have millions of people that are longing for this spiritual pillar in their life, and they don't have it. And their spirit is crushed. And so for us to repair and to move past our broken spirit and our stubborn selfishness, God invites us into a relationship with him. And over time, as we... Enter in this relationship with him. He wants us to grow in him. Because God's spirit rebuilds and repairs what is broken. And his kindness leads us uh, to repentance. If, if you're here today and you've never kind of taken on this spiritual pillar. And you've never turned to Jesus to, to lead you. And maybe you've just been waiting for him to push you. God, if you just show yourself in a loud voice and tell me what to do, I'll do it. Well, that, that's not actually the, the way God works. He, he shows himself through the scripture and he says, here, here I am. I'm a God who will, who will lead you with kindness and patience. But you have to be willing to follow him. He will not push you. And so if you're here today and you've never decided to follow Jesus, uh, you can check this on your connection card. It says, contact me about following Jesus. We, we want to help you learn what that means to follow him. To live life with that spiritual component. To be led by a God through his kindness and forbearance. If you've never done that before, I encourage you, you could check that and we'll follow up with you and, and give you just next steps to take. So if you check that, drop that in the offering and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. Uh, there's some other next steps. If you just keep that card up there for a second, there's uh, this box right here. Joel was talking about different things and you, you just write, if there's a, the meetup or the parenting seminar the DFL, you just put that under the sign me up. Next steps, these are related to the message. So every week we've kind of got two things you can do. There's next steps you can take related to what we've been talking about. And contact me about following Jesus is one of those next steps. And every Sunday we want you to leave here with, with kind of a step that you can take in your relationship with God. We don't want you just to be full of, of new ideas, but we want you to be full of new steps that you can, you can take. And so... Uh, the first next step you can take today is uh, you might just want to identify one of maybe the family filibusters that you do. 
And this is just an opportunity for you to be real with yourself. Be honest. Okay, do I tend to have a bad attitude in actions? Do I tend to sulk? Do I tend to throw my own tantrums in my own way? And you just might just, God, show me that. And just write that down. Uh, the next one is uh, come back for the rest of the series. Uh, one thing that we want to do is we want to just help you and everyone here take, take these next steps. And so coming back to the series will just give you some more things that you can do to build the kind of relationships that we're talking about. And then the third, uh, Joel mentioned this, uh, the DFL is the Discovering Faith Lunch. And if you're just trying to figure out more about kind of this whole spiritual pillar, this component, and what, what that means, uh, if you write that, then we'll send you some more info and invite you to come to that lunch in the beginning of March. So I hope to see you guys again. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. I'm going to invite the band back up, and they're going to lead us in another song, and we're going to have the ushers uh, that will pass the offering buckets. And so we're going to receive that offering. We're going to sing a song uh, back to God. I'm going to move this wagon out of the way. I'm going to pull it, not push it. And then uh, if you've never met me, um, I'm going to be by the information table at the end of the service, and so I'd love to talk with you and, and meet you. I'll be right back to the, the right-hand side. So let, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll sing a song and receive our offering. God, thank you for the model that you set for us in leadership, that you pull in your kindness and your patience, and you want us to be the type of people that, that do the same. Uh, just show us strategies where our own stubborn or selfishness pushes people, controls people, And God, help us to feel just the weight of that because it's in that that we realize we can turn to you for help. And so if there's anyone here that is just stuck and they just need to take a next step in their their relationship with you, God, I I pray that you'll move in their heart right now. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for what you're building in this church. Uh, We're here for you and we ask you to lead us forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray.